Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. It's been a time of thanksgiving and gratitude, but the busyness of the holiday and the chaos of life can curb your ability to be grateful. That's primarily because we put the wrong things on our gratitude list. In this episode, Associate Pastor Josh Masters will help us develop a new gratitude list and a message simply titled, Gratitude. Here is Associate Pastor Josh Masters. Well, good morning, Brookwood. Thank you for braving the rain and coming out. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's uh, start this morning with a little bit of confession. Thank you, Pedro. How many people here had pie for breakfast at least once this weekend? Oh, some of you are brave. And if you're in our online campus, how many of you are eating pie right now? Put in the comment section what kind of pie you're eating. Is there anyone in the room eating pie right now? Okay, just checking. Hey, we're so grateful that you're here and there's no judgment. I like pie. Uh, But those were just the warm-up questions. So let me ask you a harder question, the harder question. With all the chaos of family and schedules and Thanksgiving, how many people truly came out of the holiday with a heart overflowing with gratitude? And wait, before you answer... Remember that knowing the things you should be grateful for and actually being grateful are not the same thing. So we have to develop a heart of gratitude. Yet scripture says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That sometimes doesn't seem very easy, does it? Grateful in all circumstances. Yes, some of us had a stressful holiday, but there are others of us here today who I know are facing a life-altering crisis of some kind. And some of us in this room don't even know how to take the next step into the next moment without bursting into tears, let alone how to be grateful. Well, if that's you today, you are not alone. There are many people in this room who understand what you're feeling. And it's actually the same struggle that David faced in the Bible. King David, a man after God's own heart, and yet he faced those same feelings. I want to read something to you that David wrote in Psalm 22, not the famous one, 23 yet, but the one before that. And I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. Now, I do want to give you a little bit of warning. I would never encourage someone to use the Message Bible when studying Scripture because it's just a a paraphrase. But what the message is excellent at is conveying the emotion of a moment, capturing the emotion of what is happening in the story of the person who is in the story. And so I want you to feel David's emotions in Psalm 22. Listen to what he said to God. He said, herds of bulls, bulls come at me. The raging bulls stampede with their horns lowered, nostrils flaring like a herd of buffalo on the move. I am a bucket kicked over and spilled. Every joint in my body has been pulled apart. My heart is a blob of melted wax in my gut. I'm dry as a bone, my tongue black and swollen. They have laid me out for burial in the dirt. Now, 
Now packs of wild dogs come at me, thugs gang up on me, they pin me down hand and foot, they lock me in a cage, a bag of bones in a cage, stared at by everyone who passes by. They take my wallet and my shirt off my back and then they throw dice for my clothes. You, God, don't put off my rescue. Hurry and help me. Don't let them cut my throat. Don't let these mongrels devour me. If you don't show up soon, I am done for. Gored by the bulls, meat for the lions. How many of you have felt like you're just moments away from the end? And if God just didn't step in, in that moment, you wouldn't make it. God called David a man after his own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And yet in this moment, in this very real moment, David feels like the world and everyone in it are attacking him. He feels abandoned. And those feelings are very real. But this is also the same man who wrote these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Psalm 23 is considered one of the most beautiful passages ever written, not just in the Bible, but in all of literature. Even by scholars who are not believers, it's considered one of the most beautiful passages ever written. And it portrays this perfect heart of contentment and gratitude and peace. Now, Psalm 22 and Psalm 23, the journey between those, it was probably written years apart. There was a journey for David to get there. But how does a man go from challenging God, thinking he's about to be devoured by the world, to the contentment and the joy that we see in the 23rd Psalm? Well, let's go back to the 22nd Psalm for a moment. If you don't show up soon, I'm done for. Gored by the bulls, meat for the lion, he wrote. But, but then David says, but I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him, honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him your reverence, all you descendants of Israel, for he is not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them. He has listened to their cries for help. So here's what's interesting about that passage. Without any indication that David's circumstances have changed, his heart changed. His heart changed because he turns his focus off from his circumstances to the identity of God. Not, God. not what God can do for him, but who God is. And even though nothing has changed, his broken life is still broken. The remainder of the 22nd Psalm is filled with David's worship for who God is. He finds gratitude in the circumstances because true gratitude is rooted in praise. That's your first feeling. Gratitude 
must be rooted in the praise of who God is. Gratitude must be rooted in praise. When Paul wrote that we have to be thankful in, in all things, he said, in all things. He did not say to be thankful for all things. Be thankful in all circumstances, and more specifically, more importantly, be thankful for who is in the circumstances with you. Why? Because developing a heart of thanksgiving for who Christ is himself overshadows earthly suffering. When we develop a heart for thanksgiving and gratitude for who Christ is, it overcomes the brokenness of this world and the suffering. That's how David moves from the despair of Psalm 22 to the complete peace of Psalm 23. So yes, we should be grateful for our families and food and our blessings and pie. But all gratitude must be rooted in the praise of who Christ is first. My gratitude list. Some of us make a gratitude list around Thanksgiving. But sometimes we struggle to remain grateful in our lives because we put the wrong things on our list. And we certainly put them in the wrong order. So we're going to walk through David's prayer of gratitude, the 23rd Psalm, together. And we're going to create a new gratitude list. On the second panel of your outline or in the Brookwood app if you're uh, in our online campus, uh, we're going to build a gratitude list based on the text. So you can go ahead and turn or swipe in your Bibles to Psalm 23. If you're using the Bible available here in the bookstore, it's on page 451, 451. Now, as we enter this psalm, keep in mind that David is praising God for who he is. So, even as we thank God for what he provides, the gratitude is anchored in praise for who he is as our shepherd. Okay, you ready? Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. So the first thing on our gratitude list is this. I will be grateful for Christ's provision and care. His provision and care. But I want you to look closely at the verses. Why is David grateful? What is David actually grateful for in those first couple verses? That he has a shepherd. That's exactly right. He's grateful for the shepherd, not for the provision. And David says, the Lord is whose shepherd? My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He belongs to me. The Lord is my shepherd, and that is a huge departure from much of the Jewish scriptures, much of the Jewish writing, because the Jews, the Israelites, had a, had a tendency to keep Yahweh, to keep God at arm's length, because they were afraid of offending him. They were afraid of him, so they kept him at arm's length. And it would have been much more common for them to write, the Lord is our shepherd. 
or the Lord is Israel's shepherd, or O shepherd of the children of Abraham. But David says, my shepherd is mine. Because you cannot enter the peace of God as an intellectual exercise. It must be a personal and intimate relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. Because when he is your shepherd, you realize that you have all that you need. So the gratitude is in the shepherd, not in what I need. And we can grab hold of the shepherd's promises of provision and care because his identity and his character are reliable. It's not the promises themselves, it's who's making the promise. The Lord is my shepherd. He lets me rest. He leads me. He renews my strength. Do you see the subtle difference? Because if your gratitude is rooted in the provision and the still waters themselves, you will remain ungrateful until you get what you're looking for. And then when you get it, it won't be enough. You'll want more. But if your gratitude is rooted in the one who provides it, you have immediate peace because you know all that I need is coming. The only way to avoid a sense of lack in your life is to be focused on the provider rather than the provision. I rest knowing that I will have what I need because of who the shepherd is, which is why David uses the personal name that he knows for God. The actual Hebrew is, Yahweh is my shepherd. He calls him by name. But we know an even more personal name for the shepherd, don't we? What the Jews would have called Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Christ. And Jesus himself said, the shepherd calls his own sheep by name. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He calls the sheep by name, and they know him. To have gratitude, we have to experience God calling us by name. And then we need to call him by name in attitude, in gratitude. Only then are we to name the things that he's done for us with thanksgiving. And if you read John 10, you will see that everything the shepherd does is to glorify the Father and protect the sheep. Everything is to glorify the Father and protect the sheep. Look at the psalm again. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Or other translations more accurately read, he restores my soul or he restores my whole self. Rest, peace, new strength, renewal, those only come from an intimate relationship with the shepherd. So if we don't have a heart of gratitude, it's usually because we're trying to find rest and peace and strength and renewal from somewhere or someone other than the shepherd. 
usually ourselves or other people in our lives or our job or whatever we seek. And in the verse it says, he leads me beside still waters or peaceful streams. And that brings us to the second thing on our gratitude list that we see in the 23rd Psalm. I will be grateful for Christ's path and guidance. I will be grateful for Christ's path and guidance. We continue in the text, middle of verse three. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And the phrase right path, and your translation may say right, a path of righteousness, but the phrase right path is very specific in Hebrew. The word right in Hebrew here means straight, easy to follow, straight, easy path. Not easy, but easy to see. And the word for path in Hebrew means a pre-made entrenchment. So picture uh, the, the trenches of a wagon wheel. A pre-made entrenchment that is clear and easy to follow track that you can see. He light, leads me beside peaceful streams. He guides me along straight, right paths that are already prepared. So it should be easy to follow his guidance, right? Here's the thing, sheep are dumb. And I won't speak for you, but sometimes I'm dumb. You can join me or not. But unless the sheep hears the shepherd's voice, it will keep wandering out of the path. It has to hear the shepherd's voice. It doesn't matter what danger the sheep comes to or what signs of barrenness start dotting the landscape that it's wandering through. It will just keep roaming in the wrong direction until it hears the shepherd's voice. Charles Spurgeon said this about the passage. He said, a sheep will go anywhere except the right direction. It knows how to go astray, but it does not know how to come back home again. And that's us. Many of you know the story, my story of running away from God for over a decade and as I wandered into the false bliss of independence, there were danger signs everywhere. Every step I took away from the flock had flashing red lights, wrong way, wrong way, Josh. But off I went with a smile, off into the jaws of danger. It wasn't until I heard the shepherd's voice again that I started moving in the right direction. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. But do you know what we like to do when God gives, a, gives us a path that we don't like? We like to take some of our sheep wool and take it off and put it in our ears instead. I can tell you some of you are doing it right now. So as we seek to follow the shepherd's guidance and his path for our lives, we should ask ourselves two basic questions over and over and over again. We're going to put them up on the screen. Number one is, am I listening for his voice? It says that the sheep hear his voice and they know his voice. 
Am I listening for his voice? Is there any spiritual wool I need to pull out of my ears? And then number two, once I am listening, does the answer I think I'm hearing from God about the path honor God? Everything the shepherd does is to honor God and protect the sheep. The verse says, he guides me along right past, bringing honor to his name. So if the answer that you're hearing about the path that you're trying to take doesn't bring honor to his name and to his sheep, it's not the right path. God is a God of integrity. He doesn't lead us in paths without integrity. So are we grateful for his path or are we so busy trying to forge our own that we get lost? Many of you know Proverbs 5 and 6. I think the CSB has the best translation, the closest to the Hebrew. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. That's a better translation than acknowledge. Know him and he will make your path straight, just like in Psalm 23. So we seek to become grateful for who he is as the shepherd. That's the foremost goal. Next, we seek to become grateful for his provision and care and his path for us. And then the next part is a little bit more difficult. Because then we must learn how to lean into that gratitude when we face the bleakest moments of our lives. Verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. I can see it on some of your faces. It's killing some of you that that's not in the King James, right? Okay, let's say it together. We'll put it up on screen. Ready? Together. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do you feel better? Yeah, okay, good. I do. So why the difference in the versions? The NLT says the darkest valley instead of the valley of the shadow of death. Why the difference between the versions? It's because in the Hebrew, the Hebrew text does not actually use the word death. The word death is not actually in the text. But the word salmavet, salmavet, which is the word that's there, it means a shadow that is so deep with darkness that it's associated with death, which is why the King James uses the more poetic versing that we learned as kids. But regardless of which translation you use, the sentiment is the same. When you walk into the darkest moments of your life, the shepherd is beside you. And sometimes you'll be led beside still waters. But other times, the straight, right path is going to lead you through a terrifying valley. Some of you are in that valley right now. And in that valley, the shepherd is the only one that can find still waters. In that valley, God is the only one, the shepherd is the only one who can find a meadow where you can feed and rest. He's the only one that can find it. 
So I will be grateful for Christ's presence and protection. I will be grateful for God's presence and protection, that he is there and that he protects me in that valley. Look, you can run ahead of the shepherd in the dark. And you can do that hoping that you will get through the valley as soon as possible. But you are so much more likely to be eaten by a wolf or fall off a cliff or drown in a flash flood. You don't have to be grateful for the valley in the moment. But to survive, you must be grateful for the shepherd that's in the valley with you. In his presence, there is peace and safety. Now, maybe, maybe down the road, when you see where the valley has brought you, maybe then you will be able to have some gratitude for the darkness and what God did in the darkness. But in the moment, you need to cling to the shepherd. When a child has a nightmare, are they grateful for the nightmare or are they grateful that they get to jump into their mother's arms? First, they're just grateful because she's there for her presence. But then they're grateful because they know mom is going to protect them. Now I look at the end of verse 4. Your rod, I will not be afraid. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You are close beside me and your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. They're comforting because they are symbols of the shepherd's strength and authority. When the shepherd wields his rod and his staff, no harm can come to the sheep. Now, it's pretty easy for us to be grateful for the shepherd's rod. The rod is like a club, and it's the weapon that the shepherd uses to stave off wolves and thieves. And we love that. We love the idea that the shepherd will defend us from those who are coming at us. But can you be grateful for the shepherd's staff? Because that's the tool he uses to control and discipline the sheep. It's also the tool that he uses to examine the sheep, inspecting every inch of them for injury or wounds. The shepherd will absolutely club a wolf for you. The shepherd will absolutely stop the thieves. But most of his protection in your life is going to come from his control of your path and constantly inspecting you for wounds that need healing. Can you be grateful for that examination and submit to the healing that he wants to do in your life? A big reason that we walk through life without gratitude is because we are unwilling to let God inspect and then direct us. We want the protection of the shepherd without submission to the shepherd. I'll say that again. We want the protection of the shepherd without submission to the shepherd. But that's not how it works. But we don't really like the idea of being sheep, right? We don't, we don't want to be sheep, even though we know that the shepherd became a sheep willingly to protect us. 
But we don't like the idea of being sheep. We want more. And to be truthful, the great shepherd has every right to lead us as his sheep and offer no more than his care and protection. He doesn't even have to offer that. But he doesn't owe us beyond taking care of us. But when you submit yourself as a sheep under his care, then he lifts you up to a place of honor, a place of honor that no sheep deserve. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up to a place of honor. No sheep deserves that. But that's the transition that we see in verse 5 of the 23rd Psalm. The shepherd doesn't change in the story, but our role in the the story suddenly does. Verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. My cup overflows with blessings. So I will be grateful for Christ's preparation, his place for me, and his favor. I will be grateful for Christ's preparation, his place for me, and his favor. Let's look at the first part of the verse again. The first part of verse 5. It says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. You know that song that we sing, right, Brantley? I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies because I'm at the table. In John 14, Jesus says, there's no need for our hearts to be troubled because he is going to prepare a place for us. The shepherd prepares a place for us here and in eternity, a place for us, and he shows us his favor. We are more than just sheep to him. We are treasured, honored guests at his table. And notice how it says, in the presence of my enemies. That means it's not necessarily talking about just eternity, right? Our enemies are here. So that means that there's not only a banquet for us in eternity, but a banquet of blessing and favor for us here and now in this life. In an Eastern culture, when this was written, the laws of hospitality guaranteed the safety of the, of the guest. The, the host guaranteed the safety of the guest and their protection. So though the wolves may surround your table, they cannot come near. Though a giant sits outside the gate, he cannot raise his club. And though your enemies may pace back and forth outside the door, they cannot pass the threshold of the great shepherd because Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. John 10, 7. The shepherd guards you and he honors you at his table. So don't walk away from the table. William Fettler, who was probably the greatest missionary to Eastern Europe, uh, who I was honored to teach at his Bible center when I was in Latvia, he faced incredibly dark things in his mission work in the Russian Empire. He was constantly surrounded by enemies. He faced persecution. He suffered exile. 
And yet with all these struggles, he wrote this psalm. Thy banqueting house is so full of light, and I was in darkness outside. Thy banner of love has become my delight, but oh, how cruel and cold is the night. What if we built a heart of gratitude not based on the blessings on the table, but because we've been invited to the table? Because to live a life of gratitude, you must focus on the host of the table and the blessings of the table and not the wolves encircling the table. Now look at the second half of verse 5. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. He not only blesses us by lifting us up to a place of honor with him, but he also anoints us with oil. So on my gratitude list, I will also be grateful for Christ's purpose and privilege. I will be grateful for Christ's purpose and privilege that he offers me. The place the shepherd is preparing for you is a life of purpose and privilege. And I know that the word privilege is not very popular in our culture right now. People shy away from the word privilege. It has a negative connotation now. But the privilege offered as an honored guest at Christ's table is not a privilege of self-aggrandizement. It is not a privilege of putting yourself above other people. On the contrary, it's about putting yourself below other people. It is a privilege of sonship or daughtership. It is an inheritance of authority as the children of God, 1 John 3, 1. But listen very carefully. In order to wield that authority, we must continually carry the humility and the gratitude of a sheep. You do not get the authority of being a son of the king unless you also embrace the humility of being a sheep and submitting to his inspection. Look at Hebrews 12, 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom, we receive a kingdom as an inheritance that is unshakable, let us be what? Thankful. And please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. The authority comes after the humility. We are not called to live a life of privilege. We are privileged to live a life of calling. I'll say that again. We are not called to live a life of privilege we are privileged to live a life of calling. The psalm says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. And this was not only a way to honor an important guest at a dinner, but it was used to heal wounds and solidify someone's calling on their life. A shepherd anoints his sheep with oil to soothe the wounds. 
A priest is anointed with oil as a confirmation of their calling to serve Christ. And a king or a queen is anointed with oil as a sign of God's favor and authority in their coronation. And as a favored child of God, you get all three. You get all three anointings. The shepherd will soothe and heal your wounds of your past. But the Bible doesn't just call us sheep. The Bible calls us kings and priests. Revelation 1.6. You have an anointing of healing and purpose and authority on your life, but we fail to live in that anointing when we have a heart of grumbling instead of a heart of gratitude. So finally, our gratitude list The last thing on our gratitude list today is, I will be grateful for Christ pursuing love and promises. I know it's a lot of fill-ins today. We have a lot to be grateful for. Being grateful for everything that we've talked about this morning and the ability to live a life of gratitude really comes down to being grateful for who God is. And he reveals who he is through his pursuing love and his unwavering promises. Final verse of the 23rd Psalm, verse 6. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And those phrases in there, all the days of my life and forever. There's some controversy about how that can be translated because it can actually be translated in two ways. It can either be translated from the Hebrew as I will live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life or it can be translated living in the house of the Lord for days without end. And scholars, you know how scholars like to argue, right? Theologians love to argue about stuff. And they go back and forth and the scholars like to argue about which one is correct. But I'll tell you what I think and you can throw it away if you want. I think it's both. I think it's very intentional that it can be translated both ways because God's unfailing love pursues us in this life and then it's fully revealed in the next. And we have a place at his table now and we have a place at the banqueting table of eternity. I think it's both. We move forward with this life of the promises of now, and we have hope because of the promises of eternity. Jesus told this parable, you know it. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go and search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. That's a pursuing love, a pursuing love that says, I will come find you when you're lost. But when we're the ones out wandering like I did for so long, we're not grateful for the one pursuing us, are we? We're only temporarily grateful for the scraps that we find along the way. Stop settling for scraps in the desert and turn your attitude toward the one who is pursuing you with unfailing love and unwavering promises.
Do we want to do that together? Will we encourage one another in that? No one? Do we want to do that together as a church? I wanted to give us something that will help us develop that heart after we leave here today. Because the danger of messages is that we leave them in the room and then go back to our lives. So on the next panel of your discussion guide, you will find a a prayer of gratitude that I've written. It's based on more than 25 passages of scripture that were used in today's message, including the cross-references. If you're in our online campus, you can download this on our website or you can find it in the Brookwood Church app. And as we develop hearts of thanksgiving together, and I want us to encourage one another in this in the coming weeks, as we develop hearts of thanksgiving, I'm gonna challenge us to declare this prayer and meditate on the passages it reflects throughout the week using the daily readings. There's only six or seven verses each day. You see the prayer here and then on the next panel, in the daily readings is the corresponding verses. So each day read the passages and read that section of the prayer and meditate on it and ask God to reveal his hope in a way that draws us to a place of gratitude both individually and as a church. And then I want you to share what you sense from God with a friend or your family or your community group. Christ is pursuing us. His love pursues us individually and as a church. Jesus said, the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Let's follow in gratitude and let's listen without the wool in our ears. If you need to know better how to follow the shepherd or how to hear his voice, we will have pastors and care volunteers down front after we pray or in the care connection room. Please don't be afraid to come and have someone pray with you or just talk with you or encourage you. Let's stand and pray together. Jesus, you are our shepherd. You are my shepherd. You are a God of hope. And you do lead us beside still waters and you walk us through the darkest valleys. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to hear your voice. And that when we receive that honor and that authority as sons and daughters of your holy kingdom, Lord, may we go out into a world with integrity and find the sheep that are lost. And may we rejoice with you in the work that you give us to do. Lead us along right paths. Let us hear your voice. And let us follow you. We ask this in the name of Christ, who is our great shepherd. Amen.
Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. In our next episode that drops next Sunday, we'll begin a series titled Christmas Messengers. To prepare, read Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 38, and chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. You can watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or even search through our message archives. Visit brookwoodchurch.org slash media or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the upcoming Christmas Messenger series. Thanks for listening and have a great week.